This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Hey guys, welcome back to Top Rope Nation. We are back with a normal weekly episode here after our two pay-per-view shows last week. We did the preview show last Thursday and we did the recap show Sunday night. Kind of a crazy couple days, but we're here now with our standard show here on Thursday night. And I am joined by my two regular co-hosts. They're both with us this week. And instead of me introducing them like I normally do... Let's go ahead and let them introduce themselves. And I want to know, guys, what your favorite moment of professional wrestling has been this week. So we're going to start off with our newest member of Top Rope Nation. He's been with us since January. Go ahead. What's going on over there? Oh, Kyle Ross! Don't you dare be sour. Clap for your world-famous universal champion and feel though what I can only assume to be arthritis, hearing loss, and undeniable oh. nerve <laughs> as Oh, no. Hey, guys, this is uh, Justin Joint, and I, uh, by far and away, uh, my favorite part of wrestling this week was uh, the or- Orton and Styles match. That was pretty fantastic. <laughs> if you guys are watching us right now, we are streaming live on YouTube for our Patreon-only supporters, and Justin is also wearing his new day oh shirt. no <laughs> and our other host here as you can tell state your name and state your disappointment in mr justin joint <laughs> bad t-shirt man um first off is this light okay i mean does it seem like you know god himself is ready to speak over my shoulder i don't know what's going like on an angel to me right now god. okay Ooh, I, I i need to tone that down i may go do talk about technical difficulties uh i'm kyle as many people know um, when you say this is a normal broadcast, does that mean we can start like phoning it in like Shinsuke Nakamura at the house <laughs> shows or you guys know how it goes. These we- these weekly shows, sometimes there's not a lot of structure. It's kind of free flowing. You know, in those pay-per-view shows were like breaking down match by match. Here's it's a little more loose, I think. Yeah. I, well, my favorite moment of the week by far was Goldberg, who is such a champion. He refused to even let go of the title when he went up for the F5. Did you guys notice that? I mean, that's how much that title means to him. He wouldn't even drop it when Lesnar picked him up for the F5. What a human being. Here we go. We can't give it two minutes into the show on the Goldberg. You that I was arguing with on Twitter, right, Ryan? You were controlling. Oh, yeah, that was me. I thought it was. You knew it was me. I kind of did. Justin and I were both on the at TR Nation podcast uh, account Monday night, and me and Kyle were going back and forth on Goldberg. You you, you were off your rocker. It it had gotten completely out of hand. No. It had gotten completely out of hand. I finished these fights. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Who's next? (laughs) Right? (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm tone that light down here so people don't think we're straight from the heavens above. Well, while <laughs> Kyle is doing that in the background over there, let me just say, if you are one of our Patreon supporters, we really appreciate the support you guys have been giving us. Tune in into these live shows every Thursday night as we record. You guys are getting the exclusive access to the webcast, watching us right now. You see Justin sipping on a scotch. I've got a hop slam from Bells here, ready for the broadcast. And you see Kyle, I don't know what the heck he's doing over there. He's adjusting his lamp. Um, but if you want to, if you're listening to us, you get the audio only podcast. Those drop Friday every week. But if you're a Patreon supporter, Thursday night, you can watch us live, get the show a day early. So I want to thank, I just want to shout out some of you guys that are supporting us on Patreon. First of all, Tim, thanks a lot for your support of the show. He's been thanks, listening Tim. to us uh, ever since the very beginning. Uh, also, thanks to Jake. He has been a Patreon supporter for several months, going back to the fall. Always checking out the shows live. And our newest supporter, Daniel, thanks for pledging your support. We appreciate it. Guys, if you want to be a patron of the show, uh, patreon.com slash Nation. You get access to these webcasts for $1 a month. That's all it takes. Uh, if you want more benefits, we have other tiers you can donate, 5 bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. Uh, we have some rewards, too, with that, uh, including free T-shirts. So uh, if you want to go ahead, check it out, patreon.com slash Nation. All right, guys, I think the biggest news to talk about this week is our WrestleMania 33 card is really coming together over the last uh, couple of days. I think we have seven matches confirmed for the show, and we've been talking on the show now for weeks about uh, these these particular matches. It's basically everything we expected. We've, we've expressed some disappointment in the lineup over the previous few weeks that we weren't really sure if this was the direction we, that we wanted to see them go. And uh, my question for you guys to start is, does this lineup appeal to you anymore now that it's it's coming through? Or are you just as disappointed as you've been for a couple of months? Let's start with Justin. I don't know if uh, disappointed is, is really the right word. It's, it's not how I would book it, but I'm also not, you know, paid to do that. And I'm not in the business. But um, if for me, if there's at least two or three good matches i'm generally a happy guy which you know giving uh fast lane a b minus i think that was just because of how much i enjoyed the neville and gallagher match but um yeah it's basically coming together how it was reported months ago all right so let's go to kyle what's your thoughts on wrestlemania 33 is it shaping up okay so we've talked about in the past maybe we would have gone in a different direction with some of the individual performers but i gotta tell you in terms of depth, this mania, and I'm not joking here, is shaping up as one of the deepest of all time. I mean, part of it's maybe actually owed to this brand split, I guess, but you've got eight matches potentially on this show once the you know the ones that haven't been announced or officially announced that have, you know, several weeks and in some cases months build to them. You don't get that. When's the, I mean, when's the last mania that had, you know, eight matches was and that's not even including the women. Which, you know, those stories have gone back with Sasha and Charlotte for months, too. So, I mean, you know, we were critical of the brand split at first. You know, how would it work? You know, obviously it didn't work the first time. Sometimes it did. But overall, I think it was a failure. Uh, But, you know, I I think the way this card's coming together, you you maybe give a thumbs up to the brand split. Yeah, I I don't disagree. The card is super deep. Uh, I think, like you said, I'm on board with that storyline-wise. 
it's been well built. Even though we've known like where they're going, that's not only that's not always a bad thing. No. Um, and you know, as you look up and down the card, there there's a few matches that could steal the show and be match of the night. Now, if I was fantasy booking the show, would I have put some different combinations together to get like the best possible matches? Probably, but I think I think the card, you know, it has some potential. Um, you know, it's funny that there's been a lot of WrestleManias where there's been like one great match, but yet you look back and you're like, yeah, this show wasn't well put together. Mm-hmm. And to me, I don't know, call me a contrarian, call me what you will. I want a show that's well put together and the booking is logical and makes sense and it flows. Like, you know, you look at um, like a famous, there are a lot of famous WrestleManias where there haven't been great matches. Like WrestleMania 14, the Austin era has begun. You know, that's one of the most important shows in company history. There wasn't a match that was great that you could even call great on that show. Mm-hmm. There's so many matches you could call good on the show, but it was a successful show. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think this this show is going to be like a WrestleMania 11 or a WrestleMania 9. No. <laughs> you know, it's going to it's going to be a lot better than that. It's yeah. not like going to be in the running for the the worst show of all time. It's not going to be in the running probably for the best WrestleMania of all time. At this point, I don't think that's likely, but who knows, maybe it'll surprise us. Um Justin, is there of the matches that have been announced so far, is there one in particular that you are looking forward to the most as of right now? Uh, definitely uh, KO and Jericho, just the way that's been built. I screwed Kevin Owens out of the Universal Championship. Yeah. Congratulations to Goldberg for that. But let's be honest, though. Come on, let's be honest. KO had it coming because three weeks ago at the Festival of Friendship, he betrayed me. Yeah, he, he turned on me, he, he ripped my heart out. Uh, he took his knife and he stabbed it into the back of Jericho. And he twisted in, man. <laughs> and it hurt. I, I, I would throw in Bray and Orton, but the whole shack burning uh, segment and and they, they can fix this before WrestleMania, but as far as who's the face here, who's the heel, and uh, I have a great concern that Orton's going to be going over at WrestleMania. So I'm going to stick with uh, Owens and Jericho. Well, if, if Orton does go over and they transition to an Orton-Styles feud, I think we're all going to win in that case. Kyle wrote about the match this week on SmackDown. Kyle, what would you think of that match? Yeah, it was great, and you know I think a lot of people uh, sharper minds than even I, if that's possible, picked up on the fact that they were clearly saving for future pay-per-view matches down the line. I mean, they didn't do any, you know, kicking out of finishers. I don't think AJ even attempted a Styles clash. Um, so they, they left a lot on the table, which is really good because that match was a great TV main. And if they can go well and above that, like you said, I mean, that's going to be a heck of a pay-per-view main event someday. And when Randy was coming back, back if i remember you know and this was late summer they had talked about those two working a long-term program we never got that so yeah i wouldn't be shocked if that was the direction post mania boy talking about that match the ending was amazing with uh aj going for the flying forearm and faked it and uh yeah orton goes down aj goes for the 450 misses and, and and it was great because when 
Orton hit the RKO, he actually threw AJ up in the air to get a little bit more mustard on his RKO. So it just wasn't your run of the mill. Yeah, I thought I thought SmackDown this week was a, a pretty solid show. Um, and uh, yeah, as we look at this card, so we're seven matches deep, and we've got at least four more matches that are rumored to happen. Okay, so uh, what are the seven that are official? So we've got, of course, Brock and Goldberg, Universal. What a, what a hoot battle. What a treat. <laughs> <We've>, <laughs> oh, we'll get to that one. We got uh, Bray Orton, like we said, KO Jericho. Got the uh, triple threat for the Raw Women's title, Bailey, Charlotte, Sasha. Now, that was originally slated to be a four-wayer. That's what we thought with Nia Jax. Uh, I have not heard anything about her going into that match at this point. You know, we talked about on the Fast Lane wrap-up show, it was weird that they beat her like they did, um, that they had Sasha pin her like that. Now, Brian Alvarez, didn't he say something like Sasha screwed up the finish and was supposed to grab the ropes? Oh, I didn't hear that, but... Okay. Um, Somebody texted me that Alvarez said that, so I can't confirm that. So if I'm attributing a quote to Brian Alvarez incorrectly, I apologize. Somebody texted me that he said that. And it actually would have made sense because it would have protected Nia and it would have played into what we believe is going to be an eventual Sasha heel turn. Mm -hmm. That that finish actually would be somewhat logical. Yeah. Yeah, and just the fact that Sasha won, you know, if if Nia is not going to be in this match now, it makes sense to have Sasha win the match. Um, so we'll see where they're headed there. Uh, we have the SmackDown women's title match, which was just announced this Tuesday or this past Tuesday. So Alexa Bliss is going to be defending against anyone that's able on the SmackDown roster, as they put it, right? So we've got a few confirmed. We know Mickey James is going to be in that match. She turned on Alexa on Tuesday night. Uh, we got Becky Lynch. I know that Kyle, in particular, is really hoping that the woman he wants to be the face of SmackDown returns at WrestleMania. Kyle, any chance you actually think Eva Marie's coming back? I don't know. You know, and it's kind of funny. Like, when they first started doing that gimmick right after the band, brand split, I'm like, oh, this is the woman that it should build the SmackDown division around. I've kind of, you know, moved on from her. I mean, Alexa is really stepped up. And, and you know, who benefited from the most from Eva leaving TV? It's Alexa Bliss. Because you've oh, got yeah. to think the way that they positioned Eva right off the rip she was going to be the star heel of the female division on that brand. She left and Alexa kind of was just pushed, you know, she got the rocket strapped to her and, and credit to her. She stepped up. You got to think that there's maybe going to be a, what do you do with that match? Do you have just Alexa retain or do you have some surprise winner? Like something well, not announced. If, if Naya's or uh, Naomi's good to go, she yeah, could be a surprise. it seems like they're leaving that open just in case she can return. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Tamina would not be a appealing choice. No, no way. Yeah, I think I'd have Naomi win if, she, if she's ready to go. I think but, that that would be the best decision if they want to if they want to switch the title. The other ones announced for the match that I didn't mention Carmella and Natalia. Um, I would, probably wouldn't go on either of them. No. Um, so is it? seems like it's a uh, it's a running thing with Kyle that his favorite wrestlers can't really wrestle in the ring. Dave Marie and Goldberg. Oh, jeez. Here we go. Here we go. You know, <laughs> you know, I put over AJ Styles every week in that freaking SmackDown report. I'm I love sure it. It's you. not all about 
you know, just wrestling. You know, I, I read I a great criticism of modern WWE fans, and I I really enjoyed. Like, it's to the point where if they don't put AJ Nakamura on, you know, it's just shit. Yeah, the the uh, this is like the indie crowd, the Reddit crowd. They would, yeah, it's just I, I don't say. know. It's just like I don't know. I mean, it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, stuff can be not AJ versus Nakamura and be very good. Still, yeah. I agree. I just like giving you crap. Yeah, that was good. That was, that was a good joke. <laughs> I had to defend myself though. Yeah, I think uh, I don't know. I, the Eva Marie I, I, thing was great when they were doing. It. We were yeah, we gushed about it on the show at the time. And I got to say, you know, watching Eva Marie, her tenure in the WWE. What she did uh, on Total Divas and everything. It's like, God, she's a ditz. But I I thought the way they played her up on SmackDown at the beginning of the brand split was so good. Right up her alley. And I, I actually was really looking forward to seeing what they, where they were going with her. Uh, can you imagine, by the way, we talked about, you know, she was going to be the face of the women's division. She left and Alexa stepped up. Imagine where that division would be if Alexa hadn't stepped up like she had. So I still think that it would have been interesting so she left real early right eva like i mean it was like it's like a month in i want to say a month yeah, and a half like they didn't mid-september even, yeah they didn't even crown the champion yet i think did they have they uh i don't i don't think, think they so had. no i don't think they like, had. I think she left that early so to me what i was always suspecting they were going to do and i could be wrong i have no proof of this was eva was going to win the title initially and then becky would chase her and beat her for it mm-hmm because um, it was very clear from the beginning, Becky Lynch was going to be the top baby face uh, on the brand. So, is it just uh-huh. me or is Becky Lynch kind of stale? I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I really like Becky Lynch as a wrestler and everything. It's just I don't know something about I don't, I don't that. Know. a baby face who's not who's going for the title and not winning for it. That's always a dangerous position to be in. Mm-hmm. Like the old Batista put it position on SmackDown. You know, yeah. I just think that that whole division would be pretty stale right now. I think Alexa just being such a fresh face has made it interesting. And we said on the, uh, I think we were talking about on the post show this past week on the pay per view post show that uh, the SmackDown women's division, even though like Raw definitely had the talent going in, the SmackDown women's division has been a lot more interesting. I think it's been better booked. Yeah, it's been better booked. The Raw's got the bigger names, obviously. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad that the Raw division will not feature Dana Brooke in the world. Remember how scared we were oh, of that back in September? Yeah, it's, it's, and then it seemed like it was coming together, too. Like, they were really yeah. going towards the split with Charlotte, and they wanted Dana to be, like, the top face against... Oh, my God, that'd be terrible. Who's lower on the WWE totem pole, Dana Brooke or the Vaudevillains now? Vaudevillains. Vaudevillains, yeah. Dana Brooke was just on television. <laughs> Yeah, I'd have to say the villains, but it's it's close. You could probably make a uh, an argument either way. And I was a big fan of the villains in NXT. You know, I was at a house show right before they got called up. And I turned to my buddy. I said, this has no chance of succeeding. I'm like, I'm not trying to like toot my own horn or anything. I just, you know, we were talking about it, I think, in our discussion of Enzo and Cass last week. There's a lot of these gimmicks in NXT. Um you know, that when I would watch them, like, you know, I don't know if this is going to translate to the main roster. And, and the Vaude villains were a pretty good example of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Tyler Breeze, cough, cough. Yes. <laughs> Probably the uh, biggest example there. So speaking of tag teams, uh, the next match on the card 
We got Anderson and Gallows defending on the raw side. It's going to be either against Enzo and Cass or Sheamus and Cesaro. That is to be determined. Or I guess they could make that a triple threat. Yeah. Um, I could might see be it. the likely scenario. Uh, Justin, you have a preference here. Do you want to see just a straight tag team match or you want to see this be a triple threat? Uh, well, I'm torn. I, I would prefer it to be a straight tag team match, but uh, we've seen Bullet Club and Sheamus and Cesaro enough times that I don't need to see that again. And and man, I'm, I'm such a Cesaro mark that I wish he had a better or bigger role on the card. So uh, I'm going to go just uh, Bullet Club versus Enzo and Cass. I'd, honestly, I'd rather just see Sheamus and Cesaro split up and have a singles. It'd probably be on the pre-show at this point, though, just by how many matches we have on the card. Another but. Sheamus and Cesaro match. I mean, they were all good, but that's... Well, it's storyline-wise, it, it would make sense. Okay. You know, Otherwise, I mean, who are you going to put Cesaro with at this point? No, no if one. If he's not in the tag title match, I don't know if he's even going to get on the show. Yeah, Andre the Giant. Yeah. yeah, again. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um Kyle, any thoughts? Do you think that's going to a triple threat? I will guarantee that this is what I'll say. Enzo and Cass will absolutely be in that match at WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. It will either be them by themselves challenging or a triple threat. They'll do a non-finish on Raw. But Enzo and Cass absolutely are going to be in that match. Mm-hmm. You think they're going over? I can see it. I mean, I don't know. They... I, it's funny. I know we've talked about their, they seem a little bit colder now than they've ever been mm-hmm. as an act, but that was an act when, you know, when I think I said this last week, as far as acts that have been brought up to the main roster from NXT, that's one of the ones that's translated best, I think. It, it was pretty hot at first. The crowd was into it. They were into the chant. I thought um, for, they'd be a for sure tag team champion to get a run with the belts, but now I'm not so sure. And, you know, Vince is got such a hard on for splitting them up who knows yeah i gotta say you guys if you are not a patreon supporter and you are not watching the webcast and video here you are missing out because kyle ross has really got a uh, like wyatt family thing going on here on the webcam right now <laughs> his, his room's kind of dim he's got a hoodie on he's kind of crouched down in the darkness missing out patreon.com slash top nation <laughs> um all right so that is just knocked my headset off when i tried putting my hood up <laughs> That's the sixth match. So the only one we haven't mentioned now is the Andre Battle Royal. We only know two people for sure, but it sure seems like Ziggler's going to be in that match. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Ojo Raleigh and, and Apollo Crews announced for it so far. So that's By your seven way, matches. God bless Talking Smack, which was excellent again on Tuesday. But they made, like, that show was so good. They actually made Apollo Crews announcing himself for the Andre Battle Royal feel like it was an important thing. Like he, Apollo came out. He's like, I'd just like to announce this. They clapped like it. You know, it was just, you, you know, he's not going to win, but they actually made it seem noteworthy. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, you know, if you would have just said it like a backstage segment on SmackDown, like the way they normally do it, it, it wouldn't have been that great. Yeah. Speaking of talking smack, I don't even have this on our lineup of what we're going to talk about tonight, but this oh, just made don't. me think of it. Um, we got to talk about Daniel Bryan and the comments he made uh, to The Miz on the show. So if, if you don't know, um, the comment was made from The Miz about how Brian couldn't wrestle anymore. And uh, Brian said something along the lines of, I can't wrestle or they won't let me wrestle. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll find out in a year and a half, which 
as it would happen is when his WWE contract ends. That was quite the interesting comment, I thought. And so uh, we should talk about this. Is there, you guys think Daniel Bryan's going to wrestle again? I'm not asking if he should, <laughs> but uh, he, it sure seems like he's alluding to the fact he wants to work again. And there's been a lot made of him possibly going to Japan when his contract ends. The one I heard was apparently he's always wanted to work in a uh, CMLL. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh. That'd be weird. I mean, like, why would he even say that otherwise? I mean, this is clearly off script. We all know he wants to wrestle. Yeah. I mean, if WWE cleared him now, he would, you know, he would immediately start wrestling. It's not like he'd be like, oh, okay, thanks. Let me think about it if I want to return to the ring. Like, he would be back in the ring immediately. Mm-hmm. Although I think he's actually done a hell of a job in his, you know, role as the SmackDown commissioner. I know oh, yeah. he said at first it was kind of bittersweet for him. I think he's outstanding. Him and Renee Young, God, they should host everything. For Don't WWE. tell Dean that. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Dean can, you know, pick her. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i not saying that, you know, I mean, well, Daniel Bryan's a married man now, too. And he's, <laughs> I, think they, I, I can't remember the name of the, the girl they're having, the way they just announced the name. Him and Bree. I just think that, like, when you look at these other WWE announcers, you know, they just have credibility when they do stuff and they're just like having fun there. But you're like, you know, I actually believe what these people are saying. I actually like these people, mm-hmm. you know, which is not always the case with WWE announcing. Although Corey Graves has been fantastic. So from what I know, hasn't Brian been cleared by like doctors outside the WWE? Yes. It's just the WWE doctors yes. will not, will yes. not clear him. And they're not going to clear him because of the ongoing concussion lawsuits and everything that's happened in the past there. Um, but, you know, if Brian's hearing from outside doctors, he can wrestle again. And this guy loves wrestling, you know, as much as anyone in the company. I think there's no doubt he probably wants to work again and end his career in his own terms. He, he's young enough. He will absolutely wrestle again. Yeah, I think I think a, ja- um, a match in Japan is almost guaranteed. I, I would be shocked if he didn't wrestle again there. And like Justin said, CMLL, that, that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it would but, be. Would it be the biggest possible non-WWE match in the industry? Daniel Bryan returning. Oh, yeah. Is there anything bigger that any promotion can put on than having Daniel Bryan? I don't think there is. Think about this. New Japan New Japan wants to expand in North America. They're starting that this year with the LA shows, right? Mm-hmm. Because the G1 starts. Imagine he goes to New Japan. They promote his return match, and it happens in North America, but under the New Japan banner. They could put that on pay-per-view. God, what a messy situation that's going to turn into. <sighs> if WWE thinks they could lose him and that he'll work for someone else, man, will that get crazy. Yeah. What I, would they I, offer him? Because I, I feel that they would just like... Would they let him wrestle? I don't think so. I just Legally, I, I doubt it. They, if they were going to let him wrestle, they would have done it for this yeah. WrestleMania with the Miz angle. Yeah, it would yeah that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that he should wrestle again. You know, he's got, he's gonna have a, a young family now, and he, he is risking long term issues by wrestling mm-hmm. again, even if he has been cleared by outside doctors. So I'm not, I'm not saying I'm encouraging him to wrestle, but I just think he's a guy that's really driven to do it again. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. We'll see where that goes. But that was worth mentioning. We should have, I should have had that down on our, our show mm-hmm. notes here. But uh, if, if people didn't watch Talking Smack from Tuesday. I mean, first, you should, most weeks it's good, but this week in particular was really good. Yeah, I try, I try to watch it when I can. I don't see it every week, but um, I almost always hear positive things about it. How much do you watch it, Justin? I've never watched it. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
the, you know, it really gets hurt a little bit by the 205 live being in between it, I think. You know, I, I, I'd like to see the numbers, um, you know, if that's had an effect on it. Um, I, I know 205 live um, does not do great as far as network rankings, uh, which is too bad. But, yeah, it's kind of a bland show. I would, I would definitely say I watched uh, Talking Smack more when it was on right after the show before yes. 205 Live started. Because it's kind of like, yeah, you know, you know, it's like, all right, I'm going to watch 205 Live, then I'm going to watch it. That's a lot. Three and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, hats, and that's after a three-hour Raw. And by the way, there was a three-hour pay-per-view this week, too. I mean, my hat's off. I mean, I know I'm doing a wrestling podcast right now. WWE, and then there's <laughs> NXT on Wednesday. They're what? That's 10 hours of programming they're asking you to sit through. I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah, running a wrestling website, doing the podcast. I look forward to the weekends kind of like just tuning out for a few days because the early part of the week is just you're slammed with wrestling. And then that becomes a problem because most of the big New Japan shows are on the weekends. And I usually want to watch them. And I I don't watch them enough just because sometimes I'm burned out. I need to like step back and watch something else for a couple days. You know, it's weird because they're with all the different promotions there used to be. Like I'm going back to like the 80s. They're probably was i don't know was there more wrestling on tv back then uh it probably depend on where you lived but yeah because I'm trying i don't to think, think so though i, like, I doubt I'm, it like i don't know how you you guys were like justin i know we're the same age um we had the two syndicated shows for wwe on saturday and then one on, it was spotlight and superstars on saturday and then challenge on sunday um WCW or back then it was the NWA. I can't. What was the show that they had? Worldwide was on at like noon, I think, on Saturdays. And then there was not even including TBS stuff that was on. But we got uh, World Class or AWA on ESPN um, intermittently. Sometimes it'd be on every day. Sometimes it would disappear randomly. So I don't know. I mean, I guess there used to be a lot, but um, man, it's crazy. How much yeah, you, programming WWE puts on? Even during the Monday Night Wars, when you had them going head to head, especially like well, the three night though. Yeah, but five crazy. hours in a night with the three hour Nitro and the two hour Raw at the time, that was a lot too. But that's true. But it was basically three hours. You know, it wasn't like five different. Like you were flipping back and forth during the three. Like you know, that was yeah. You were you could maybe consume more, but you were consuming it like all at the same time. I had the old uh, picture in picture on my TV at the time, and I'd always just swap it back and forth, whatever had the better thing on. Mm-hmm. But I do remember also sometimes I would, at one time Nitro had a replay, and I would I would watch the replay like after Raw and try to watch oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, Raw. yeah. In the summer months, because I was in high school then, yeah. Like in the summer, I would always watch the replay. Yeah, but there's, yeah, there's always been a lot of wrestling on TV. I remember at one point there was a show on every single night of the week, seven days a week. And uh, well, you could probably do that now, I guess. Include like online streaming and everything. God, though, it feels like WWE. It's so interesting when you look at their business model. Like, I feel um, it's just so niche now. Like they, like there's probably le- they have probably less people watching than they have at most points in their history. WWE, but they've their ceiling or pardon me, their floor is probably as high as it's ever been because they've got such a hard, I mean, remember when like they did the debate opposite SmackDown and mm-hmm. SmackDown was like the second most watched thing on cable. Yeah. That proved to me. I mean, there, there are people that just will watch SmackDown no matter, you know, or just watch WWE no matter what is on. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, 
Yeah, that's a, that's actually an interesting point because uh, so Justin wrote one of the my favorite feature articles in the history of Top Row Press. It was called "Coming Out of the Closet." I'm a wrestling fan. Search it out if you haven't read it. TopRowPress.com. It's a really great feature article. Um, everyone can relate to it as a wrestling fan. But the the reason I thought of that is because I feel like wrestling has right now it has this weird like indie rock like kind of cool thing to it like you're saying kyle less people are watching it by far than even you know just a few years ago but certainly like 15 years ago um but like the people that watch it are so hardcore about it that it almost has like it has more of a mainstream appeal to it to me sometimes than it did even when it was like at its height of popular i don't i can't describe it maybe it's just like the the online effect but i feel like the people that watch it are crazier about it now than they used to be it's that's that niche thing you're talking about yeah, it's just like, I don't know, it's just like, it, it gets mentioned quite a bit. I mean, ESP, I mean, it's a pretty big deal at ESPN.com has a WWE section. Yeah. I mean, it really has infiltrated the mainstream, despite the fact that the mainstream doesn't really watch or pay attention. Like I told you, like, my buddy was over for the pay-per-view, and like, he's like, oh, I want to get into this wrestling. And I don't think he left, part- I mean, Fastlane wasn't a great show by any means, but he, I don't think he left particularly impressed mm-hmm. with what he had seen. Yeah. Do you do you get what I'm talking about here, Justin, with like the indie kind of like cool alternative feel that wrestling has right now, even though the audience is smaller? Do you feel that like with with your group of friends at all or just reading stuff online? Uh, well, you're my only friend who also watches wrestling. <laughs> none, none of my other friends are into it. Like if I have a WrestleMania party or some people will come over, but uh, nobody's really paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think I get what you're saying. It does seem to have a little bit more credibility in a way but i think that's also because of because it's in that pg pg 13 it's like uh more news media or mainstream media sites weren't going to cover it during the attitude era because i mean outside of austin rock uh they were pretty trash shows and before that it was still coming up and especially back then it was like well do they know it's fake you know it had that stigma on it mm-hmm. uh, but now yeah, I think with all the stars that are in there, and uh, I think it's become a little bit more acceptable. Yeah, like Justin, when we met, you know, uh, we were working at a part-time job together. This is like 16 years ago or so, and you know, wrestling was a lot pop- more popular back then than it is right now. But I remember us having the conversation at this job we were working at, where it was like, uh, we're kind of like in the closet wrestling fans because you know, like even when it was more popular, you didn't go around like broadcasting you were a pro wrestling fan. And like now, I just I feel like even with the people that don't watch it, it has more of like an acceptance to it where people are like, oh, yeah, you know, that's fine or whatever. Maybe some of that is the effect of like Total Divas, for example, that's bringing it to a whole new audience on the E-Network. I think it just boils down to the fact that even if people don't watch wrestling or don't know people that watch wrestling, they are aware that a lot of people do. They may not know. I mean, they, they probably don't know. I mean, they may not know any of the storylines. They may not know any of the people. But, you know, I think it's just one of those things that people are like, oh, okay, like, you know, pro wrestling. Like, I think they just they just, they just just know it's a, a thing. It's always going to be a thing. And a lot of people like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It I is really what really to equate that to. But it, it's really weird, though, too, because, like, yeah, we are seeing, like, some very low raw ratings historically right now. And mm-hmm. I was I was looking back today. I wrote a piece on Top Row Press about TNA relaunching tonight, and they're trying to rebrand everything. And they're no longer called TNA, just Impact Wrestling. They've dropped the TNA reference. 
And uh, I looked up, you know, like what was that the top audience they did when they were on Spike TV? Because there's rumors that they might go back to Spike mm-hmm. TV here in the U.S. They are on Spike TV in U- the U.K. I guess again now. And uh, you know, I saw they drew like their highest hour ever on Spike TV was two and a half million. Raw's had some hours that were close to two and a half million recently. That's pretty eye-opening that that TNA Impact did that on Spike TV five years ago. I think it was in 2010 or 2011. So. I was going to say, was that, that that was probably like when Hogan and Bischoff first came in? Yeah, that was the, the highest hour they had was when they went on Monday night versus Raw in like January 2010, I think. Yeah, when the night uh, Brett came back for WWE. Yep. But then they also had a show like a year later that did that that 2010 show. It averaged uh, 2.2 million, but they had the hour that was two and a half million. A year later, they did a show that also averaged 2.2 million. Mm. They were, I think they, I think they typically did like just over a million, if I recall correctly, on, on Spike TV, which is still like five times what they do right now on Pop TV. So if they could get back on Spike, that would be huge. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, the wrestling audience just from a few years ago, it's it's down quite a bit. So, but but it doesn't change. Like that's the thing. Like I, you know, I mean, we we, we on the website we publish the ratings. I know all the time, Ryan. I think you know you talk about it. I don't want to say they're irrelevant because you can still learn things by looking at them. But, you know, when, you know, people write, oh, SmackDown up this week or Raw down this week, you look, it's like the difference is like so minute mm-hmm. almost, you know, I mean, it's very rare that you're like, whoa, like, you know, I know the third hour drop for Raw this week was, was somewhat severe, but it's very rare that you see like this huge plummet week to week on the shows. I mean, if you look at the numbers, like they're so close. Yeah, it's it just like this is the audience. All right. If things are hot, it'll go up. Mania season will go up a little bit. But the distribution, you know, the median is just it's, it's a lot tighter than it used to be. Yeah. In some ways, uh, wrestling ratings, you can make the argument that they're irrelevant now. And in some ways, they're still deeply relevant. Um, I do think there's something to be said that a lot of people are still watching the product, but they're seeing it like on clips on Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat or whatever. Um but and so in that way, maybe the audience is bigger than portrayed. Um, but at the same time, they they still do matter a lot when it comes down to it in the dollar sign department. Because when mm-hmm. WWE goes to renew their television contracts, yes. they don't care about social media ratings; they care about television ratings. Yes. So in that regard, yes. they're definitely relevant. No, no, that that's a great point, Ryan. I mean, because anyone who follows their business model, WWE knows, you know, that, that those TV rights fees they're pulling in right now are a huge cash cow for them. I mean, yeah. if they, if it that was number was to decrease you know be a rough morning over there in stanford connecticut <laughs> yeah i mean i don't think it's ever going to happen but if they ever got to the point where they were just like streaming their shows on the network they would lose so much money that that advertising revenue is huge that's why raw's that third hour is not going away anytime soon no no absolutely yeah i mean you talk why i mean i i, I guarantee you there's no one in the WWE office who thinks robbing three hours is a good idea as far as putting together a quality TV show. Yeah. I mean, no one, but they're like, yeah, well, if we're going to get more money for it, you know, screw it. (laughs) Yeah. We're just kind of flowing with it this week, guys. I don't even remember how we got on this topic, but Mm -hmm. that's a good discussion there. So, um, yeah, so we've gone through the seven matches confirmed for WrestleMania. Um, and we've got four or five more that are heavily rumored, at least four that are, basically certain so reigns taker they haven't officially announced it that's obviously happening good segment uh, on raw i thought yeah 
that was pretty good. I didn't mind. What did you think of that segment, Justin? Uh, it bothered me that they made Braun look like a chump again. But outside of that, I guess it was fine. Yeah, man. Reigns got some difficult reactions. Uh, they knew that was nights. gonna happen though in Chicago. I mean, it's not I cannot imagine Vince McMahon's like, oh man, the people are gonna love Roman Reigns when he comes out here. <laughs> there's no way in Christ he thought that. And there's well, there's no way he can work this match face. I mean, he's gonna get booed out of the building at WrestleMania. He's gotta work complete heel here. And, and it'll make it fun. I, I don't know. I'm actually looking forward to that match quite a bit. Do you think we could have a, a full Reigns heel turn during this feud just because out of like necessity or you think it's just like a one-off where he's going to have to work heel one night and they'll go back to what they've been doing for the last couple of years? Yeah, one-off. I, I just think Vince is, loves this man too much and I, I don't I don't think we're going to get the heel turn. I think he'd be great as yeah. a heel. I, I agree. I this, this is the opportunity to do it if they are planning on it, but uh, I don't see it happening. But it would be nice if at WrestleMania – Reigns goes all like Austin on the rocket uh, X7. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think well I think this would be the time to do it because you've got Finn coming back and Finn can be that top baby face on Raw. For well, sure. The only thing is what do we think they're doing? Are they going to do like a Triple H New Evolution group post Mania? I hope so. Heavily hinted at it. It sure yeah. seems like it. And to me if they do that that's going to be the top heel group. So you probably don't want to turn Reigns. Mhm. Yeah, I could see that. Um, so speaking of him, Rollins, Triple H, are going to do some kind of interaction if Rollins can't go, it seems like, if they don't do the full-blown match. Um, they, could, the they could always throw Joe and, and Finn Balor into that match and make it a tag team match if they need to protect Rollins, but that's on the table too. Kyle? Obviously, you guys watch Raw on Monday. Would you agree that this, although I guess you know this comes with a caveat, this comment, because he may not be able to work, but... This knee injury, uh, the second knee injury, may have been the best thing to happen to Seth Rollins as a baby face. Because when I watched that segment last week, I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is what they should have done the first time. Yeah. I'm like, they're turning this guy into a total sympathetic character. This is what they should have done when they brought him back last summer. And then Triple H was really good in his role in that interview, I thought, afterwards when he was complimenting the WWE medical staff and stuff. <laughs> I thought that was a good line. But, yeah, I mean, I just think they're they're, they're – basically getting a do-over with the Seth babyface turn. Mm -hmm. and, and that's probably the best thing for him. I think it's a good thing for his character. I think for for his mental state, it's probably going to be an awful thing because they say with these knee injuries like this, the hardest thing about coming back is getting over the mental factor of is it going to happen again? And since he's had two severe knee injuries like a year apart, I can't imagine what's going to be going through his mind like every time he comes off the top rope for the first it's month or two. Style, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Which sucks because uh, that's one of the best parts of his game. Yes. <laughs> so he's definitely going to have to adapt to style. Um, might be, you know, to, to throw out an old name, might be similar to how Brian Pillman had to change his style so much after he had his injury problem from the car yeah, accident. That was, geez, that was <laughs> like the most severe. <laughs> but he was a high flyer, you know, and he, could, he couldn't do that at all anymore. Um, no, I mean, he couldn't even like do a, hardly do a drop kick anymore. But then again, yeah. I mean. There was a lot of things going on with him. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else. So we, and then the tag team match on SmackDown that's obviously happening with Cena and Nikki Bella against Miz and Maurice. And uh, they also look like they're going towards uh, Ambrose and Baron Corbin. Ooh, uh, two quick hits since you mentioned those matches. The first one is I thought Miz's promo this week was way better than last week's where he get he got a little bit more uh, personal talking about, you know, 
Cena is fake, you know, about love, because if he really loved his girlfriend, why would he make her sign a contract? And, you know, when they first got together, uh, nobody was allowed to talk about the relationship on programming. I thought it was really well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, sorry, go ahead. Talking smack, too. It was real good, too. Um, and then uh, the Ambrose and Corbin. Boy, I, I thought it was hilarious when Corbin put the uh, fork lift down on top of Ambrose and everybody rushed over and tried like picking up the, the forklift instead of like hopping in the cab and maybe just lifting it back up with the buttons. <laughs> Hashtag oh, wrestling logic. Yep, pro wrestling's the best. <laughs> yeah, so that, that brings the card right there to 11 matches. or 11 matches deep. I know it's going to be a four-hour show, um, but then, and then we're maybe looking at possibly Joe Baller uh, have you guys heard anything else on who Balor could work if it's not Samoa Joe? Is he going to be? I mean, I know. Oh, sorry. I, I, I mean, I know he's going to be on the show in some capacity for sure. He's returning to the ring this weekend. If you're listening to this post Saturday, he's already returned to the ring. Uh, he's working two live events this weekend, I believe. Or maybe no, Friday. Is he working Friday night? Friday night and Saturday, I think. I think he's not announced for the Sunday show or uh, or Raw. He hasn't been advertised, but. Go ahead. What were you going to say, Kyle, about Balor? I wouldn't... Ru- if they don't have something good for him, I would not rush him back to the Mania card. I know that that sucks because there's, you know, payoffs involved and, you know, for the big shows, and he doesn't want to hear that, but um, there's a lot of ready-made programs for him on Raw. Reigns, Rollins, Owens. Yeah. They, they got to get Joe on the card, obviously. And so if he's not involved in that Rollins Triple H thing, I guess Balor would be a decent plan for him. Uh, but, you know, God, they wrestled constantly in NXT last year. Yeah. Um, and you probably don't, you know, obviously when you're like, oh, what are they going to do with this so-and-so guy? There's always the Battle Royal as the fallback option. I don't think you would want to put Joe in that, though, because it's kind of like the same storyline as Strowman, who's probably going to win it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. I, I agree. I don't. I don't want Joe in the battle royal, and and not even in a match. He's not going to win. It. Just have him come out with yeah. Just have him come out with Triple H for a Triple H's match. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, like, if he was going to win it, the battle royal, that'd be okay, I guess. But um, yeah, if he's not going to win the battle royal, you certainly don't want to waste Samoa Joe there. Yeah. So I, I think there's a pretty good chance you could see a Joe Ballard, but that's that's far from confirmed. That's that's one of the hot rumors right now going around. So uh, we'll see. I mean, we'll know in the next week or two, because if they're going to do this match, they uh, they got to start building it soon. I would think we're just, you know, this Monday, we're going to be what, three weeks out. Yeah. So something's got to happen. Uh, so we, we ran down the card. Uh, Justin said KO Jericho is the match he's most looking forward to. Do you guys have anything else to add on that? Yeah, uh, you missed uh, one other that they're setting up. It looks like we might get Neville and Austin Aries. Yes, but, that's right. That's and right. that was actually uh, the between the Neville and Swan match on Raw, which is fantastic, and the uh, Austin Aries package stuff is hilarious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it's all it was a great setup in that whole segment. I think it was for the first time ever. It was the best segment on a Raw was the cruiserweight stuff. Yeah, this seems like it's a match that more than people who just watch the cruiserweight classic can get behind. 
this yeah. seems like the first match that like pe- they can actually build to and can get over. Which is interesting because I assumed, and it seems like I'm wrong, that the cruiserweight division would get the ladder match at WrestleMania. They just put you know like the whole freaking division in there and just say go go have a spot fest, guys. Um, it now looks like that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Will there be a ladder match at, at WrestleMania then? If there is one, it looks like it would have to be that uh, SmackDown women's match. Yeah, <laughs> where Alexa can't reach the belt. <laughs> Alexa can't reach the belt, and that's how she loses. That would be so outstanding. <laughs> yeah, that's the only place I even see an opportunity for it, looking mm-hmm. at that card. Um, I mean, I suppose Owens and Jericho could do a ladder match. Yeah, I don't know. They, they like Not to that I'd want to see it, but... Yeah, they like to do those multi-person ones. That doesn't need a ladder match, I don't no. um, Yeah, that actually, you know, Justin mentioned... The cruiserweight match may be in the best part of Raw. It was two really strong nights for the cruiserweight division, um, going from Fastlane to Raw. I think, in our opinion, at least, or most of us, I know me and Justin agreed on this, uh, the best match of Fastlane was that cruiserweight match with uh, Neville and Gallagher. I saw Big Dave Meltzer did not agree with that. I saw his star ratings for the show, and he gave that match three and a half stars, and he gave Reigns and Strowman four stars. Oh, I would F that dude in his star ring. <laughs> I would I would disagree. I would probably have those. I might have Reigns Strowman. I thought Reigns and Strowman was the better match. I thought Reigns and Strowman was the better match. I thought that was a good match. Um, but I, I do think Neville Gallagher was better than three and a half stars if if I'm rating it personally. I th- I thought that was the uh, best match of the show. I don't know. But uh <laughs> I, I did want to mention that. Now here's Kyle being contrarian tonight. No, I'm being serious. I don't think it was a better match than Reigns and Strowman, but it wasn't supposed. I mean, for it to be better than Reigns and Strowman, it would have had to been like ridiculously good because just the position it was put in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I I thought it was close to ridiculously good. To be honest with you, I well, loved the match. I got to watch it again though. To be honest with you, but live, I really liked it a lot. Um, I, here's something I want to bring up. Now we got we got some uh, back and forth going. I got something to talk about with the uh, Lesnar Goldberg match. Well, you do. Oh, boy. So here we go. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Uh, one theory. I, <laughs> one theory I heard recently, and this is why they put the belt on Goldberg. Oh, not these is, theories again. Here we go. The Alex Jones portion of the no. <laughs> I heard that the reason they put the belt on Goldberg is they want to give the belt like some legitimacy, like to give it some history so that they can say in a few years, like, oh, this is the universal title. It was held by Bill Goldberg and it was held by Brock Lesnar and like to get these names on board. That was one theory I heard talked about. I'm not sure I agree with that because, I mean, like you build the history of a title by years, not by who has it. But uh you know, it's not like uh, when they started the WWF title, they brought, you know, Gorgeous George back or whatever to, to win the title to give it some legitimacy. I've actually had that same thought, the exact same thought this week is that they, because Kevin Owens is, as much as I love him, his his reign was kind of uh, subpar. And then you only had one night of Balor being the champion. And yeah, I definitely, they're, they're put, trying to put some name recognition on this title to lift it up. I just... I just think Vince in his eyes sees that as the bigger match. And that's why he did it. He those are the guys he thinks are the bigger stars, and that's why he did it. And I also think long view he wants to redo or get a chance to redo Lesnar putting over Roman Reigns. 
That's why I think it's going to Lesnar. I think he wants Lesnar to lose the title of Roman Reigns. I don't think, what is it now? You know, I mean, if they wait all the way till next WrestleMania, which I can't believe they would. But I mean, two something years later, <laughs> the crowd's in no, it's going to be no more receptive to that than they would have been at WrestleMania 31. If that's the plan, I think you're going to have Lesnar hold the belt through SummerSlam. That's probably going to be the SummerSlam. Match. Well, I mean, he's not going to work. I mean, who knows how much he's going to work? I yeah. They made a deal. Hey, we put the title on you again. You're going to have to work a little bit more. Because I thought the first time when everyone agreed that it made sense for him to beat John Cena at that SummerSlam, he just didn't appear enough to make that rain work. I didn't well, think. The, the problem I would have, though, if this theory that I've heard talked about several places now about, you know, giving the belt some legitimacy, having Goldberg on, on the title history and whatever, if that is factoring in at all, which, again, I'm not sure it is, but... Uh, the problem I would have with that is that Goldberg is not going to make anyone. He's not going to lose it to any new face. He's losing it to Brock Lesnar, and then Goldberg's probably gone. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather see him lose it. If, he, if they wanted to do that, I'd rather see him lose it to one of the newer guys on the roster than Brock Lesnar. Oh, or- I agree. I, I, I've said that. I, to me, the WrestleMania match I would like to see would be Goldberg putting over Roman Reigns. I'd probably pick someone other than Roman Reigns, but yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to be realistic. I know, I know, I know what you. I know. What you I'm mean. just trying to be realistic. I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, I just think that, you know, what they want to accomplish, the pieces available. I, I just, I don't know. I think you'd make a lot of all parties would be satisfied. Goldberg would be putting over a full timer, yada yada yada. Yeah. So yeah, I do have a. a- concession to make to you kyle oh you do uh Go- goldberg had a little bit better reception don't give him uh, don't give him uh, that pleasure kyle yeah right, was a, and, and by <laughs> the way it was a better reception go ahead i wanted to say ryan talked about the ratings he did he glossed over didn't even mention how the ratings plummeted after bill goldberg left the show on Raw. oh that's that happens every week the third hour plummets so. oh it was a bad plunge this week though <laughs> Okay, so with huge plunge. I've never seen a plunge like that before. And Goldberg got, are we talking about Goldberg getting a good reaction on Raw? Because he got booed out of the building from what I watched. No, not when he came out. It was pretty mixed for me. I heard a little bit of boos, but. Because uh, he was on the mic talking, talking about being champion. That Chicago crowd was giving him hell. say something by the way i'm sorry channing cm punk it like a 2017 oh, yeah. show is shitty okay <laughs> it is i mean it is his hometown i can almost give them a pass anywhere else definitely not it's like what do you look like i guess it's just, like it doesn't mean it, it's almost kind of like this is awesome or like, i don't know why you hate this is awesome so much what, what's wrong with this is awesome because it's overdone a lot of stuff is awesome <laughs> I, I do think it's a little overdone. Sometimes those NXT the NXT crowds in Orlando are like, the worst. Like, like they'll chant it at, like at the very start of a match. Well, it, I mean, yeah, it was sometimes cool. that's awesome. I don't. It was cool when they did it for Zayn Nakamura, but it, it just I feel it cheapens 
when it really should mean something. I mean, you know, I didn't I think like Big Show Braun Strowman, a match that I enjoyed more than I ever thought I would have. That got a this is awesome chance. I don't know. To me, like this is awesome is something you should hear five times a year. This like is it. above average. <laughs> this <laughs> is above People average. People are chanting this is awesome as they listen to this podcast right now. They are. I don't so, know. I don't like I'm sick of these fans. Really. You think this podcast is awesome? Leave us a five-star rating on iTunes, by the way. Let me throw that out there. We need more ratings on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Um, I So with the concession that I, I thought Goldberg got a decent reaction, the, the crowd did really enjoy it when he got F5'd. No, I, I got to rewatch this because from what I remember watching it, I, I thought he got booed out of the building from the moment he got on the microphone on Monday night. I'm gonna, I'm going to have to rewatch this. Maybe I'm losing my mind. Well, yeah, you were losing your mind on Monday. Oh, on our <laughs> tweet storm. Yeah. <laughs> Claiming that everyone hates Bill Goldberg, no one likes him, he has no friends. <laughs> I just got a text message from someone watching the show and it says, "Quote, this is awesome." Oh, well, there you so go. There you oh, go. Nice. There we go. <laughs> Perfectly timed, touche. Yeah, I mean, you you were like you, you thought because Bill Goldberg got into like one fight with Chris Jericho in like 2003 or 2004 that like, uh, you know, no one liked him in the history of the business. No, I didn't say no one liked, but it is true. You you know this. You've talked to well, people backstage at WWE. Fight. Bill Goldberg is not well liked backstage. I don't know about that. I guarantee no, that is a fact. This is not an alternative fact. This is a fact. Chris he is Jericho. not well liked in the wrestling business. Look, Chris Jericho, I guarantee you, if he was on this program right now, and, he, and you were like, Chris, do you care anymore that in 1998, Bill Goldberg didn't want to work a program with you in WCW? He'd say no. Well, they settled their beef in that backstage fight. Of course, he'd say that. Now. No, they settled their beef a year later when Chris Jericho went to WWE and made a lot of money and became a bigger star than he ever would have in WCW. Well, you clearly had some beef if he got into a fight with Bill well, Goldberg. You know, Chris has been known to, you know, hit the sauce, <laughs> I think, sometimes. I don't know. I know that was a legitimate beef, and he wrote about it in his book. He spent yeah, a considerable no, time about it in his book. About it, about it. He was, but I, I think now it's water under the bridge. And by the way, not to run to Goldberg's defense there, that whole issue where Goldberg didn't want to work the program with Jericho uh, in WCW um, was just very symptomatic of WCW at the time. Like the, the idea that was more of a WCW issue than a Bill Goldberg issue because. Um, I guarantee you Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan were not, you know, putting their foot on the pedal saying, you got to work with Chris Jericho. I guarantee Jericho's like, hey, I want to do this. And somebody probably got in Goldberg's ear and it's like, you shouldn't work with that guy. He's small. And he's like, okay, I won't. Wouldn't that be on a little bit on Goldberg then too? He was so, a little bit is yes, because he ultimately said he didn't want to. And I want. So it was because he was a little Greenberg. He was. Yes. <laughs> he was. No, I mean, it, it would, I always found it so interesting that Goldberg didn't want to do that because Jericho literally was like, "I will just put you over. I just want to. I just want to lose to you." <laughs> that was the whole thing, and they had been building to it. Like, um, I don't know if Jericho was just kind of going into business. He, Jericho has talked about this in the past that no one was paying attention. He basically got over in '98 because no one was paying attention, and he just kind of started doing his own thing, and it got over. Um, so I don't know if all the Goldberg stuff he was doing was just him on his own, but um, yeah, he just literally wanted to lose to the guy on a pay-per-view. And yeah. Everyone's like, no, you know, you're not going to even lose to him. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's just goes to show you how many problems WCW had and yes, how I mean, many opportunities the, the, they blew. 
Yeah, that, that was not, I mean, that to me is just like one in a million of those stories in WCW. I mean, nobody, that, that was the problem is that the, the established guys that they brought in that really led to the Renaissance in 96, their time started to come up by late 98. They really needed to refresh um, the pecking order and they didn't want to work with all any of the young guys. And they all went to WWE and had nice careers. We talked about doing some retro WCW shows just for the Patreon only. That would just be mm-hmm. private shows on, for our Patreon supporters. And I think that would be a lot of fun because, man, there were some blown opportunities in WCW. I could talk about 1998 WCW and the blown opportunities for five days. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, just pick a month, pick a show. I mean, it's just like, I, I just... It, it's incredible that a company that had that roster went out of business three years later. It's unfathomable. I mean, you have to tr- like. It's almost like they showed up and like, let's try to run this company out of business. It's it's incredible what they did with Bret Hart. <laughs> I mean, like they were handed such a a great opportunity at the end of '97 there, and like their handling of Bret Hart has got to be like one of the dumbest moments in the history of professional I mean, wrestling. Hogan going into business for himself at Starcade '97 is probably the most unprofessional, inexcusable act ever. What was oh, that you mean the, the fast count that wasn't actually a fast count? Yes, when he basically was like, hey, Nick Patrick, don't do your fast count. Don't do the storyline. That was so bizarre, man. I, I was watching that. Hey, you know the best storyline this company has ever had and the one we've built up for 15 months to lead to this match? It's not our biggest number ever. Yeah, just screw that up. It was so confusing. Like he, he was in the leg drop and he covers him and it's and just he, like a normal three count and then Bret Hart comes out and like, what? What's going on? Like he, and it kind of made Brett look bad. Him. Yeah, it made Brett look like a doof, too. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't help that, you know, afterwards, Sting speaks for the first time and he just throws out some, like, mamacita liners. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That. He talks in Spanish. I remember that, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the little things. Yeah. Man, by the way, get, you know, uh, hold on. Let me put over Goldberg. Like, Sting, I will say this. He, it's funny, he got off the gas and he, you know, as over as he was when he wasn't wrestling. God, it kind of did die quick when he came back to the ring. And that's where Goldberg was so huge because like under normal circumstances, having built up a baby face like that, you know, with that storyline and him failing kind of so quickly would have been a disaster. But, you know, Goldberg kind of was able to slide right in and take Sting's top baby face role. Of course, then they screwed that up pretty quickly too. If Sting was going in there and just beating guys in two minutes, that would have been a lot different. Yeah. Yeah, but I I don't think it was believable with Sting. He his crow sting. Crow sting's unstoppable. Yeah. I don't know. Once he started wrestling, it wasn't that great. I think this this WCW conversation though brings up an interesting point because it's something we want to talk about in the show. Um, the fact that Rick Rude was announced for the WWE oh. Hall of Fame this week. So here's a good transition for you. As wow, that was very nice. As big of a star as he was in WWF. He did some of his best work in WCW. How many times can you say that about a guy who was such a big star, like the height of the wrestling industry in the late 80s in WWF, who went to the smaller WCW later in his career and had like one of the best feuds of his life? Yeah, his my, my favorite Rick Root is the WCW run. But I, in fact, I'd say my probably my favorite year in wrestling was 92. I love the Dangerous Alliance was amazing and his matches against uh 
Ricky Steamboat were just off the charts. That's so funny that you say that because I remember when we first met Justin. You you remember you uh you, t- you told me your most favorite event of all time. I think it was like Super Brawl three or something like that. Or maybe it was Super, Super Brawl two. two. Yeah, Super, Super Brawl two. Great show. You that was like one of the filming. One of the first wrestling conversations we ever had. You raved about Super Brawl two, and I think you let me borrow the VHS of it. Yeah. <laughs> the funny thing about Super Brawl two is like the only match that isn't really good is the main event sting and luger yeah that, that was pretty bad yeah luger sting, sting had a killer entrance though so that makes up for it luger i think still had the needle in his ass too i think when he got to the ring <laughs> allegedly i don't know that might have been my tv i don't know Jeez, <laughs> huge at that show <laughs> but yeah rick rude man he had a hell of a wcw run. it was short but uh very and good it, it sucked too because it ended right before Hogan came in. Mm-hmm. And, and we never did get that Hogan-Rick Rude feud. That's always like one of the, like the lost things. Like people talk about that. Like they only worked, I think, one match. It's a Boston Garden match, early 88. It was really early in Rude's run. Um, it's a fun match. If you can, It's pretty easy to find on YouTube. They do like this arm wrestling spot in the middle of a match. It's like a total house show thing where like Rude's like demanding Hogan get on the mat and arm wrestling arm wrestle him and then finally hogan does and he like destroys him he like starts slamming rude's arm on the thing it's it's pretty fun <laughs> is that on the network at all in like their old school section do you know i don't know it, it's i want to say yeah it is it's january 88 it's very early in rude's run all right top rope nation listeners that's your homework for next week january 88 and it was a boston it was a boston garden show i think it's the only time they ever worked hmm. and I, know I, I go ahead justin I, I was going to kind of switch it up just a little bit. Just a little Justin joint factoid. I was actually not big on Rick Rude, only because his action figure was garbage. <laughs> it was like the arm was in front of him, and I don't know. It was just weird. You couldn't really do anything with him. And so that translated. It was like, this guy sucks. <laughs> you couldn't do a real Rude Awakening with him, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had heard a rumor, like, again, going back to that Hogan stuff, that initially he was supposed to be the guy feuding with Hogan post WrestleMania six, not earthquake. And then they, um, transitioned away and they just had him feud with warrior again. And that feud kind of sucked, but, um, yeah, I agree. His, his work in WCW, uh, was, he, he had just gotten much better in the ring is what it boils down to. But, um, you know, he was kind of big fish, small pond thing going. I mean, he came across as a huge star when he debuted, they did that Halloween phantom angle. Um, you can watch that interview. Eric Bischoff looks like such a tool as Dracula. <laughs> and, um, he, they did that angle. He cuts a promo. You're like, wow, this is this works. And then he beats Sting at that great clash in Savannah. Oh, and it, that clash is one of my favorites of all yeah. time. Sting comes back and his tights are cut up because he was at the hospital for yeah. his knee and stuff. And he goes oh, to the wrong so door. He, when he cuts out of the ambulance, yeah! he the wrong door. He's trying to open the door and he can't get in. And they're like, <laughs> They're doing this countdown to 10 and he's got to get back to the rig or something like that. He can't do it. Like these other wrestlers show up like, dude, get in this door, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> Early 90s WCW. Yeah. Oh, but so 92, Justin mentioned it. Probably some of his best work. The Iron Man match with Steamboat at Beach Blast. Um, may have been his best WCW match. Probably yeah. was. I mean, not including the War Games match, which he was a part of, but. I know, I know, Kyle, you've kind of gushed uh, about Rude in the past on the show and how unique his career was that this guy worked heel his whole career. 
and yeah. it was such a huge star. That's pretty rare. Yeah, but I mean, you would never see something like that now. There's just too much TV and guys, you know, they just got to turn out a necessity. And it's interesting. He's being inducted by a career baby face at the Hall of Fame. Ricky Steamboat. His, 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 yeah, it's great rivals. Yeah, best nemesis. First house show I ever went to, uh, which was ironically January of 1988, uh, at the old Richfield Coliseum when the Cavs played in the suburbs. Uh, Steamboat work recruit. Oh, nice. Yeah, Steamboat. And it was so much, another reason that was so much better in WCW is A, rooted, improved so much, and B, Steamboat didn't have one foot out the door. He's, the steamer, that was probably the only period of his career where he was kind of phoning it in. Mm-hmm. When he had come back post Intercontinental title loss, and he, and he left. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's a uh, well deserved induction. Long overdue, I think. There's mm-hmm. a lot of guys in the Hall of Fame that uh, Rick Rude probably deserved to go in prior to them. Um, and obviously had the untimely death many years ago now. And uh, sad story there. He's also, I think, the only person to ever appear on uh, yes. Raw Nitro, well, simultaneously before WWF brought WCW on uh, late 97 there. Mm-hmm. The pre-tape Raw. He was on e- or, uh, ECW that same week, too. <laughs> all three of the same. All three of them in one week. I remember watching that and thinking, what the heck? I mean, I was kind of plugged in. I was starting to get plugged into like the inside news at the time. I remember there was uh, like a free hotline here in my town that you could call and get like the latest news on like the city line thing. You'd call like for your movie times and your sports news. And they yeah, had like this that thing all the time, too. It was like our newspaper uh, from our newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. They had uh, what was it? Uh, I don't I can't remember what the guy's name was, but he did like a wrestling news update. And uh, I remember him saying like Rick Rude was going to be on both shows this week because they had already taped Raw or something like that. Or yeah, that was pretty unusual. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him get inducted and seeing his family there to honor him. Um, and then before we sign off this week, we should also mention a death that happened this week. Outlaw Ron Bass. Now I'm not, I don't remember uh, watching him much in the uh, 80s in WWF. Um, I'm a few years younger than my co-host here by about three years, I think. So maybe you guys got some more memories of him than I do. Uh, I think he he originally made a name for himself in uh, the 70s. And uh, then he came to the WWF in the 80s. Uh, Kyle, you're kind of a a big-time wrestling historian here. Any uh, memories of Ron Bass or uh, highlights of his career? I mean, I think like most people my age, it's... I don't want to say unfortunately, but, um, you know, it's of his WWE years, which was the end of his run. You know, I I think his story is one of um, so similar to a lot of guys of his era where he made himself a star in the territories in his instance, Florida. Uh, His best work was there um, feuding with Dusty and and Barry Windham. The only just out of a recommendation, this was years ago. Someone's like, oh, you know, Ron, I, I couldn't believe when someone told me Ron Bass had a good match. And I don't want to speak ill of the man he's passed, but you know, they're like, oh, check out this stuff he did with Barry Windham in Florida. I've, you know, I watched it. It's good. It's the best stuff of his career. But yeah, I think most people remember him as the outlaw uh, in WWE. And, you know, it was kind of weird because he really, he was around for like two years or so, I want to say. He came in in like early 87. And he really didn't do anything for a large part of that career. Like, I, I kind of felt bad. Like, they, they had him feud with like Blackjack Mulligan, I think, initially, but Mulligan quit pretty quickly. And then he feuded with the JYD in 88. Dog quit. Um, you know, funny story about that. I had this random tape of 88 WWE TV. And uh, it was like the syndicate stuff. And it just, we we're just, I'm just watching with my buddy. It just cuts all of a sudden 
this angle, which would not fly today, where he's whipping the junkyard dog. Okay. Um, and they cut to Gene Okerlund in the studio, and Gene, as serious as the day is long, goes, please, Ron Bass, do not take this country back to a darker day. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Gene, my hat's off to Gene. Gene saw, like, the vestiges of Jim Crow flashing through <laughs> his eyes bad. I mean, Gene took that real seriously. So, um, you know, the junkyard dog in 1988, again, another person who's passed. I don't want to speak ill of the dead. The junkyard dog was not good in 1988. I cannot stress how horrible he was in 1988. <laughs> That was when he became the junk food dog, I believe, according to Meltzer. Oh, man. But, um, you know, his most famous feud was the beefcake one, I think, is what people of my generation remember that led to him getting his hair cut on Saturday Night's Main Event. And um, he departed the promotion pretty soon after. So mm-hmm. rest in peace. All right. So, uh, yeah, I think that about covers it for this week. So um, I guess we'll see as how the uh, WrestleMania 33 card develops next week. I'm sure we might have a couple more matches announced. I would think this week that Reigns Taker match probably becomes official. Yep. And uh, maybe we'll know more about uh, what's happening with Seth Rollins. I would think Cena Miz, the tag team match with the ladies, that's probably going to get confirmed here maybe next week as well. Um, So we'll see where we go. Uh, So before I give the typical outro where I I plug all of our social media, you guys have any final comments? Let's... uh, Go to Kyle first, and we'll finish up with Justin. Just thanks for bearing with me with all these technical issues, guys. <laughs> lighting, this weird light looks like I'm being interrogated. They're not even going to know the difference if they're listening to the podcast because I'll have I this know, edited so smoothly. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not a professional. I need, to, I need to, I need some training here. No, you should bring it up because, guys, you know, if you watch us on Patreon, you watch the live webcast Thursday night, you're, you know exactly what he's talking about. Yes. You're seeing this show with. Uh, all the sports and everything you see and Justin peering into his camera right now giving an extreme close up Justin final comments for this week's show ah, I think it was a good show ski good brothers oh yeah I enjoyed it we got some we got some old school wrestling talking we talk about the current product those are the best shows to me I know we're all kind of uh, big time 80s 90s wrestling fans so by the way I went to the dentist last week and my teeth kind of look shinier <laughs> did you get caps put on no <laughs> Filled your mouth with chiclets. Veneers. <laughs> I went Wally Zerbiak. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, if you're listening here to the audio-only version, go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a five-star rating, please. It helps out the show. Check us out on topropress.com. Patreon, like I said, if you want to watch the show every week, get exclusive access to the video webcasts. Uh, Patreon.com slash Nation. Thanks for listening and tuning in. We'll check you guys next week. member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.